Hey, for this Sunday, we're going to be talking about something that I, I think is really helpful, but I got to be honest, we're, we're taking a bit of a risk because this may or may not be helpful for you. Some people love this. Some people are confused by it. So we're going to try and talk about it in ways that are as helpful and as clear as possible. This Sunday, we're talking about spiral dynamics. Boop, boop, boop. So, woo. Like that? Uh, so I do. I love that. Uh, spiral dynamics is uh, this theory that originated with a, a psychologist named Claire Graves. And Claire Graves started in the 1970s uh, via interviews. He started to notice that there were behaviors that people did um, and they kind of tracked it out through a, a life stage. Like there's an evolution of kind of characteristics that humans, people, uh, would start to demonstrate. And then he, he saw that these behaviors, as they were lived out, some of them were seen by other people in community around them, and they were replicated. People would do the same kinds of behaviors. So if you think um, as an example, like, I, I don't know why this one is so interesting to me, but the invention and the proliferation of the fist bump was like a whole thing like 10 years ago where like it wasn't really a thing. And then people started like fist bumping instead of handshaking or high-fiving. And I thought that was fascinating. Who, who started that? Um, who created it? Because someone did the first fist bump as a, and it had to be two people, right? You can't just singularly fist bump. So two people had to decide this is, this is an okay greeting. And someone else saw it and was like, I like that. Next time someone goes to shake my hand or give me a high five, I'm going to give them this instead. And this became a thing that became like replicated and shared around and around. So we don't know who the first fist bump was. Oh, I, I was don't. kind of hoping we would come to that conclusion of the statement. I, I, if so anyone wants to tell me the originator of the fist bump, I will be very likely to believe it right now. It's even an emoji. Anna. You're right. Oh, and Alex back to back. Yes. It's an emoji. That's how popular this thing became. So what that means, though, is that um, Claire Graves wanted to see, like, how does human evolution um, happen kind of psychologically? So he created this thing called the Emergent Cyclical Theory of Adult Human Development, which is a lot. And his work, which was kind of built on Maslow, um, Maslow built the hierarchy of needs. There's certain needs that have to be met until you can kind of move to these, these next tier of needs, uh, which just kind of makes sense. Like if you don't have food and water, then um, nothing else really matters. If you don't have oxygen before that, nothing else really matters. So this work that Claire Graves started was taken on uh, by Ken Wilber and Don Beck. Um, and they worked on these, this idea for a while. They actually had a whole falling out where they disagreed the implications of where, where it went. Drama. Then, I know. Big drums. Big time drama in the spiral dynamics world. And the reason why I bring up that drama is that drama is actually really uh, instructive. If you ever tried to research spiral dynamics or if you've heard it before, there's different schools of thought and slightly different models that gets really confusing. This is uh, something I first heard about about 10 years ago and was really excited about it. So I started looking into it and then I was like, none of this makes any sense. The way it was described to me was actually the most helpful. So that might be true for you. If you, if you go and you, you like this and you're researching it, you might get very confused. But in 1995, Don Beck and Christopher Cowan released a book called Spiral Dynamics, which is kind of the thing that most people read from and look at. So 
what we're going to do is we're going to look at it this morning. And again, my hope is it's going to be so helpful. We're so ready. Ready this, for this is adventure. a good illustration that we're going to kind of hold on to and, and go back with. Um, spiral dynamics actually kind of operates via colors. So you can see beige is that smallest little one there. That's going to be the first one we're going to talk about. And then you have purple, red, blue, orange, and it kind of expands out from that. Um, and one of the things that you're going to kind of notice, the reason why it's called spiral dynamics is because the movement spiral between being more individualistic to more communal. Um, and so that, that will be kind of a movement in, in this. Um, and we're going to look today, you can see yellow and turquoise there. We're just going to focus on what's called first tier. Um, and here's why. I love uh, like not really creating because that's not my jam, but looking at organizational systems. It's like when you see someone's tool bench and they have like this kind of pegboard set up, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Everything has its place. You can find it when you want to. And the whole reason we want to talk about spiral dynamics today is it's a, it's a way of thinking about people in the world. And we can take all the things that are happening right now, the Black Lives Matter movement, masking and unmasking, our political process, the protest in Portland, uh, Antifa and Proud Boys and all of these other things. And it can help start to put some things in place. You can start to categorize and understand like, oh, I think this might be operating behind it. Now, with all kinds of systems and structures that work similarly to this, uh, you think of like the Enneagram or maybe like Myers-Briggs, um, which is, is very different from those. But the reason why we want to talk about it in church is it can kind of help us understand for these reasons, empathy, connection, and communication. How do we better understand other people? How do we communicate with people that come from different places than we come from or have different worldviews than we have? And how are we understanding that we are all kind of connected? We're in this. And uh, honestly, this whole theory was one of the frameworks that helped inform Cascade as a church is like, who, who do we want to be as a church? So when we go through this, uh, like especially like Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, it can actually be used as a tool for the exact opposite. It can be used for intellectual superiority. It can be used to other. It can be used to uh, think of yourself as better than. And that is not at all the setup of spiral dynamics. Spiral dynamics doesn't have good. Um, it just has different and it has kind of movements that you have through, but it's fluid. People don't like in Enneagram, you're a nine or a two or a five. Um, this one, you based on where you are in life, you can kind of move through the different forms. So. What we're going to do is we're going to go through all the different colors and explain them. It might be a little confusing at times and that's okay, but I want you to think of what we're doing by going through all these colors is we're learning the alphabet. And then at the end of learning the alphabet, we're going to start putting some words together. And that's where I feel like all the magic happens with spiral dynamics. When you start looking at interactions between these different colors um, and B memes, it starts to make sense. So, we are going to look at beige, purple, red, blue, orange, and green. Uh, and you don't have to read all of that right now. I just wanted to kind of get like a visualization of it. So you can see these different setups and then we'll talk through them and we'll 
come back to this slide later so you can look at it. If you have any questions or you're like, what the heck is going on, please fire it away. I'm also trying to watch the screen so we can answer any and engage with y'all as we go through. I got so, you. I'll watch the screen. Uh -huh. You stay to your definitions. Thank you, Sarah. That's well helpful. Done. We're going to okay. keep it real here, you know, keep, Be real. It, keep it real. So we're going to start with beige. And how I'm going to talk about these is we're going to look at individual humans, because uh, it, it can be a framework of understanding kind of individual humans evolutions through life. And then we're also going to look at society as a whole and how society can kind of evolve. So those are the two examples we're going to look. So beige is the baby stage. Um, and beige, if you think of when a baby is born, a baby's kind of core um, orientation to the world is survival. Babies are there to be warm, to be fed, to be touched, to have physical touch, um, to sleep, and to poop. That's kind of their worldview. It's all just survival mechanisms. And if you think uh, about human evolution, when you start with kind of earliest humans, earliest humans orientation toward the world was just straight survival. So is where, where do I eat next? Where's a safe place to sleep tonight? Um, it's very much uh, immediate. It's not long-term planning. Um, and it's very individualistic. When you are in a survival mindset, the, the good of the community means nothing. Um, because your own survival is kind of the, the foremost thought. So there's a number of different places. Like if you've, um, if someone in a survival situation um, can go beige or can be in beige. Uh, one of the things is people, as we talk through these different layers, they're like, oh, I operate at this kind of layer, I, I think in these kinds of ways. Um, but honestly, everyone will go beige at some point. So when you watch shows like Survivor, it has a lot of beige energy. Um, if there's a natural disaster, um, there's going to be very much you're into survival. Now, if you think of early people, people were all about surviving and they were fighting against the elements, fighting against um, different animals, predators for survival. And over time, they learned in the same way that a baby evolves over time, their kind of core needs are met and a child engages in a sense of community and wonder about the world. So the world is a mystery, how it's functioning. We don't understand, we don't have names, we don't have concepts for why things happen, but we're enamored by how it happens and we know that relationships are important. So if you think of um, really early on with a child, if you have like playing peekaboo or bubbles or when a child, I mean, let's be honest, it might be gas, but they smile when they see a family member or a parent come into the room. Those kinds of emotions are about connection, community. And this mirrors uh, in early survival, we had, we went from individuals to tribes. And so what we found is that if we want survival and long-term survival, it's actually going to be better for us to band together um, and to create these kind of groups of people that can hunt together um, and can also plant, speaking of Sarah's lesson today, can plant food and can harvest and do all that in the world. Now, as they started gathering together, um, and tribes formed, they started to notice that the way that the world functions is there are things that are happening around them that they cannot control. So when the rains come and when the rains go, no control over it. When the herds of animals were to come or go, no control of it. Earthquakes, flooding, all of these things would happen that they have no control over. And so to explain this world and this communal group, the most significant person in that would be 
uh, the shaman or the, the one that would say that they have an understanding or a connection with God, the universe, the thing outside of what we know and experience, but has huge impact for how we live and how we function. So beige is about survival. Purple is a communal movement. Um, and it's very much about wonder and mystery. One of the things I like to say when it comes to purple is that going to a concert um, for me is a very purple experience. It's tribal, it's communal, we're engaging in this together. Um, and I'm not studying or breaking down the music or the performance. It's more just like the, the awe of what's going on, the lights, the music, the sound, what it creates and how you feel in that experience. Rainbows, bubbles, um, all of these things can make me have that sense of like wonder and connection to all things. And one of the things that's important too about purple, some people's religious experience is always a, a purple base. They kind of, when they go to church or when they engage in spirituality, it's all about feeling connected to other people and being in wonder of uh, how the world works. Okay, so we got these tribes, we got these groups of people, and we have a baby who's about kind of connection and joy and wonder of the universe. The next movement in color is red. And I want you to think about the two-year-old that starts flexing the no. Uh, starts to do, so before this stage, it's all about connection and smiles. It's why we have terms like the terrible twos or the terrible threes, is that all of a sudden, this child, this, this little baby who's all about connection and joy, all of a sudden starts flexing autonomy, like, no, I don't want to do that. Uh-uh. Um, and you're like, what, what the heck is happening? Um, how we would put this in kind of the communal setting is that we had these groups of shaman, we had these collections of tribe. And at some point, the biggest, strongest individual in the group looked around and was like, why are they in charge? Because they're explaining this mysterious thing. It's still ultimately a mystery and they don't have any control over it. You know who do, does have control? Me, by beating people up and killing and taking what I want from this world. And so what you see in kind of human evolution is now the most powerful person or leader is the biggest and the baddest and the strongest, the one that has the most military power, the most that has the most personal power. And they are all about asserting that personal power over everyone else around them to prove that they belong and that they are in charge. And everyone else goes along with this because what's the other What's the other way of moving? Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating about this kind of evolution, we see in the Old Testament, a movement from a purple tribal kind of community that understands that God is here and God is with us to saying, we want a king. Seeing kind of Goliath uh, energy, seeing uh, Saul and David, that there is one big powerful person that's in charge of kind of the whole group and the whole um, setup of things. Now, uh, red energy, we see this a lot in the world. Um, <laughs> if you have like, you're driving around and you see the equivalent of like Gravedigger, the monster truck driving down the street, that's some real red energy. Um, there's a lot of like, oh gosh, I feel like it's taboo to say this on a church Sunday, but, but truck nuts are real red energy. It's real like, what is that? It's where um, they look like um, testicles that are hanging from the back of a truck. Have you not seen these? Like um, the trailer hitch? It's on the trailer hitch, but oh, it's okay. like an accessory. Yeah. It doesn't do anything, but it's very much like, uh, 
like I'm in charge, I'm the biggest. Um, you also have like fast cars, people that drive um, cars that are really loud are really fast or are moving. That is all very much red energy. Um, I'm glad some people are laughing because I do I say, I can't tell you that I will ever look at the, a truck hitch <laughs> the same way now based on this conversation. So nor should you, nor should you. There we go. Okay, so we have beige, just kind of individual survival. We have this movement to this communal kind of purple tribal, but the world's a mystery. And then they come over here to like red power dominance. Also, when we look at dictators and when we look at um, tyrants throughout history in the world, that is very red energy. Now, the movement that works um, beyond this or, or kind of move this is that you have this collection of people, someone's in power, and they're like taking charge of military, you have a larger group of people that look around and they're like, we're never gonna be the biggest, we're never gonna be the strongest, we're never gonna be the greatest warrior. But if we band together, we can actually collectively overthrow this tyrant and we can create a new way of operating in the world. Now, how we see this individually is after the no stage, you have kids that are fixated on rules. What are the rules? Is everyone playing by the rules? And this gets into a lot of that's not fair language and that's not fair mentality, which is basically saying there's a, a, a structure in the way that the world should work and it's not happening that way. So uh, how we see this in the world is the rise of kind of democracies or governments and how governments and democracies basically function is it's not gonna be the biggest, it's not gonna be the strongest who's gonna be in charge, but it's gonna be the wisdom of our elders and the wisdom of our elders, what we've learned as we've traveled through this world, we're going to put down into a document. And this will become our sacred text that will decide how we move and operate in the world. So church, especially um, Christianity as it operates, a lot of religion, but certainly Christianity as it operates in the United States is very much a blue orientation. We were delivered this document, the Bible, the Bible is going to be our orientation towards the world and how we operate in the world. Um, and it's going to be the thing that we decide on. How we see that in the United States would be the Constitution. People that are fixated on the Constitution, that is the wisdom of our elders. We don't change it, we follow it. And that keeps order and that keeps structure and that keeps systems operating. Now, I want to point out as we go through these, there's going to be a temptation to, I mean, it's actually language used about spiral dynamics that based on whatever system or structure you're in in these different tiers, you're gonna look beyond where you are with fear and you're gonna look um, below where you are or places that you have previously been with disdain. Um, but it's important as you could look with disdain at some of these structures to say, these were really good helpful evolutions from the places we have been. There can be a lot of harm created in kind of blue mindset and mentality to say like, a lot of voices and people are excluded, are eliminated and are harmed by these blue systems and structures, but it's certainly an evolutionary step forward from red energy, which is just whoever's biggest and baddest and can kill and rule, they're gonna be in charge. So um, yeah, a lot of, and I think maybe you're starting to, to see and think about all the different ways that blue energy is really an operating structure. One of the great things about blue is blue gets stuff done because there's a clear list of rules, there's a clear hierarchy that kind of sets everything in motion. And that's, we, we kind of follow that hierarchical sheet. So it's easy to motivate, it's easy to um, organize, and it's easy to get things done within this. So 
Beige, individualistic, just survival. Purple, tribal, and wonder. Then we came over to red, which is individualistic, most powerful wins. Then we came blue, which is wisdom of our elders. We're holding together this whole system of operating by the, the communal idea. The next movement from there is orange. Um, and yes, I did find someone in an orange shirt at a middle school science fair because I thought it'd be helpful. How long did that take, finding that t-shirt? Uh, I mean, a little bit longer than I want to admit, um, but not so long that I'm embarrassed. There we go. There we go. So orange is, uh, it's the rise of the scientific method and the way that it operates. So think of it this way. Blue systems say, we need to follow these rules because this is the wisdom of our elders. Let's say like, this is what the Bible says. The earth is 6,000 years old and it was created in six days. We read it and that's what the, the document says, our sacred text says. Orange says, well, but we have all this other scientific evidence that can be tested, replicated. It can be peer reviewed by lots of people that actually says that's, that's not true. So um, the idea, if you think of like biblically, that there's a firmament that kind of sets over the top of all things, like a, like a bubble and water falls in and God's just outside of that. Well, then science starts to say, well, no, that's actually not how the world works. It's not flat. There aren't four corners to the earth. It's a sphere. And we start to see this. And it's a more individualistic testing and critique of these set systems that say, this is how the world operates. So a science fair or someone who starts thinking more about how things work and how things operate. You think of someone who's middle or high school and a young adolescent who starts questioning the traditions of the family. Why do we do this? Why do we always do this? Why does it have to be this way? This would be the rise of Sir Isaac Newton and lots of other scientists who questioned the way Galileo, how does the universe work? How does the world work? And why do we function in that way? And again, look at who was trying to kill and eliminate these voices. It would be the traditionalists who are in blue, uh, the blue worldview. So you have um, Brown and the, the Board of Education. You have these big tasks to say, well, it's not evolution, it's creation, or the church having scientists killed because it's questioning what this blue document is um, and how it functions. Yes, I've heard the jury is still out on science. This is great. I love the comments. Thank you. Okay, the next movement from orange, which is again more individualistic, is green. And it's the final one we look at. Um, Sarah's wearing a green shirt. Just to, to Intentionally, really just so we all know. Is it intentional? That's this is an intentional move. I knew what we were doing today. I love it. So green is um, a more expansive view and a more communal view of the whole universe. So if you think of the other ones, and again, uh, we'll, we'll kind of look at the structure. It can be kind of hard to visualize, but you have beige, which is individualistic, purple over here, red, more individualistic, blue over here. Then you have orange. So beige, red, and orange, kind of warmer colors are all individualistic. Over here, we have purple and blue, and now green, cooler colors that are all communal. But purple was about the tribe. Blue was about kind of the government, the, the religious organization, kind of a larger. Green is every person in existence. Everybody belongs, everybody is involved, and every voice matters. What happens in the green movement is actually for the first time, we start caring about the voice of the underrepresented, the marginalized, or the oppressed. Prior to that, um, even though purple and blue are very much communal, it's still about who's in charge and it's about consensus and the majority voice. 
green starts to expand beyond that and say, let's hear the voice of the people that aren't. So hippie movements, uh, again, when you think of like uh, adolescent college age student that starts to go off onto their own, starts to question like how the world works and like actually this perspective that we've never entertained, I'm seeking out alternate explanations of how the world works and I'm really interested in how they function. Um, that's just, it's just green. Uh, I don't know why the image didn't show up. That's actually supposed to be a slide for the green party. Uh, and the, the green ready. party, you're ready, which is all built on this understanding of um, how do we care for the planet? The planet is a voice that we haven't heard or because we're all connected and we're all involved. So if we care about everyone in the world, we can't poison the world and hope that we'll all live happily ever after. So, very mustard seed-esque. Can I yeah. just say? Yeah, yeah. Mustard it is very mustard seed-esque. <laughs> So hopefully this, this is, is making some connections and kind of thinking through your own story, your own evolution, different systems you've been a part of and how they work and how they function. After talking about some of those letters, let's start to put them together into words. Um, one way that's kind of helpful, I think, um, in putting together the whole spectrum is actually if you look at advertising. Um, and advertisers know this system really well. Now, going back to what I was saying about fist bumping, Certain people replicate certain behaviors. They're seen by others and people agree these are acceptable behaviors or worldviews in the way we function. So there are purple chunks of the world, people that operate in kind of a purple mindset. There are people that operate in a red mindset. There's purple, people that operate in a blue mindset. Actually, a lot of the people on the planet operate in the blue mindset because it's really helpful for organization and structures and systems, governments, states, countries. You have a lot of people that are science and fact-based. Can you see right now when we're talking about a global pandemic and wearing masks, that you have people that are operating in orange, let's listen to our scientists and people over here that are saying, but the constitution says I have the right to assemble or I have the right to, I have my individual personal freedoms to go at. Do you see how these are conversations that are happening cross colors? Um, against different organizations. And the reason why I wanna talk about this, especially on the heels of our divisive message series, is that the internet has been a bit of a game changer for how we interact um, and have dialogue with people across different, th these different colors are called V-memes. Where normally, if you encounter someone online that says something that you're like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't we, uh, we'll, we'll keep on using the example of why wouldn't I wear a mask? Very, very rarely will someone be posting something on social media that isn't backed by a community or a group of which they are a part that shares that same belief. People rarely are just lone wolfing it out there with their only thought, but their family, their friends, no one else. They don't have any community that agrees with that. So what's happening is these different communities are all bumping into each other on the internet. Whereas prior, prior to the internet, you may not have access because these also kind of happen regionally. So if you look at some of the big divides that we're seeing in the United States of America today is rural and urban, which has to deal with where you live and how you see and how you function are in, are in regular contact now and in conflict online. The other thing that's really interesting about this is that these kind of movements, um, they actually are, are speeding up. What I mean by that is survival is like a key operation in the, when you look at the history of 
our planet for a long time. And then purple, kind of that tribal idea, goes on for a long time. There's still tribes operating in the world today in very much a purple tribal mindset. Red operates for a very long time. And then blue steps in. And blue's new within the last couple hundred years. Orange is even newer than that. And green is even newer than that. Um, and you can certainly see threads of this happening before, but green is very much like in the last hundred years evolution. And we're starting to see some movement towards what is called second tier, um, which is yellow, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which again, that's crazy. In, in the history of the world, we would need to see hundreds more years happen before we think there would be the beginnings of a new kind of movement or mindset communally. But our ability to communicate and interact with each other makes ideas spread faster and move faster. Now, because we have green orientation in the world, which means up to green, but we still know that we have pockets of the world that operate in red or in blue, what ends up happening is certain structures will take on language and use it to appeal to those people in the world, even though that's not actually how their structure works. Let me give you an example, uh, political parties. So you will have, um, let's say the Democratic Party, which is very much a blue system. It, its whole operation is like, these are the rules, these are the sets, these are the expectations, and it's happening within our government. But they will use green language because they know there are so many people that are operating in a green mindset. But what you might find over time is when a green mindset joins something that they think, oh, this is green too, we're, we're caring about the oppressed, we're caring about the marginalized, we're caring about the planet, but then they get into a blue structure and you're like, oh, no, you don't have any flexibility within your system or your structure to actually do these things. You were just adopting this language to attract people. The other place that this is very, very true is within churches. Churches are organizational structures and systems. To operate, they're usually blue, and there's also a lot of red church energy. So blue churches will use language about, say, social justice, about how we have to care about the marginalized and the oppressed, the cry of the voiceless, all of these kind of more recent movements in the church happening. So people that operate in green or think in green ways will join these systems and then find, oh, no, it's ultimately a blue document. I thought we cared about the, the marginalized voices, people that are in the, the minority of the human population or in our regional population. So you'd say, oh, I, I thought we were caring about these folks. What about the LGBTQ plus community? And they'll say, well, our blue document, the Bible actually says that's a sin and it's not allowed here. But people will have been tricked into that system because it will be using and presenting green language, but it is not a green system. It's ultimately a blue system. Question. Yep. Are churches more commonly a purple, blue, or green because they are striving towards a more communal? Yeah, so great question. Churches, because they're communally based, I don't know of any examples of an orange church. Um, red is... Prosperity gospel? But that's not scientifically backed or promised. It's not testable. Oh, sorry. I was thinking yeah. red was like prosperity gospel. Red would be like yeah. the individual will strive. Okay. Oh, so sorry. I totally misunderstood. Yes. And red is actually one that we will move into when we feel kind of threatened. So the more threat we feel, the kind of more we pull back. 
Um, and red is actually a tool of a lot of different organizations. Most blue systems can uh, vacillate back and forth between red really easily. Um, so what I think is interesting right now is if we look at Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump is a red individual that his primary orientation is self and self power, but he's utilizing blue language to ultimately support a red system. Because if it was all blue, there would be some consistency in his actions or his policies of which we've seen there is not. Because it's ultimately serving not a communal goal, but an individual goal. And so you see how some of these different languages mix and match and miss each other. The ways I think that churches could go to red, just for example, let's just start spitfiring. I'm thinking, saying on that example would be like, let's say our church only cares about this one issue and we're willing to flex and move in how we see people kind of swing to the other side. We, you know, of like, like this is their die hard. I won't have any conversations with anyone who thinks differently than this, basically. Yeah how we see that swing effect of like, okay, I'm no longer a part of X, but now I'm a part of this movement. And if you can't hear this conversation, kind of that thought process, how we can like oscillate between a blue and a red as a church. Yeah, yeah. So again, um, most of them operate communally. So it's mostly a blue system. And we talked about how blue systems can adopt green language, but it ultimately will find major limitations because it's really blue at the end of the day. In the same way, blue systems and structures will go red to defend themselves, to fight back, to push out, to alienate and do that so they can get back into blue, which is order, community, we all agree in this fixed set. Now, what's interesting is if you have a conversation with someone, um, a religious conversation or spiritual conversation about someone who's operating in blue, um, what's really interesting is when you're like, no, I love blue too. Like, I love the Bible, but I disagree with your interpretation of blue. If you're in a blue mindset, it's hard to see that there's any interpretation, especially because orange, which is more individually testing, questioning, scientific, says what's the original language, what's the orientation, what's lost in culture, what's lost in translation. All of these, like this whole spectrum of belief kind of calls into question some of the blue um, assumptions and assertions, because all blue systems say that we all agree on this document, but what they mean to say is this particular interpretation of this document. So you can see where conversation can totally miss each other because you're both going back to the same document saying, okay, we got a common framework, but we fundamentally disagree on how to interpret this because of other um, ideas or information. Was, was that helpful? Did that make any sense? Yeah, I have another follow-up conversation on an example you gave earlier yeah. with COVID. Um, because I think that's a really helpful way to church. I think church systems, because we're many of us are a part of it, right? And then COVID, because we're all experiencing it, I guess, or hopefully not yeah, experiencing yeah. it, but we're watching what's happening with it. Yeah. So my question is right now, why like why is it that other countries are capable of taking steps forward, but it seems like you gave the rural versus like a city kind of thought process, but I'm mm -hmm. wondering there are other places that have rural and rural and city environments and yet they're able to have step forward. So can you speak yeah. to that? Yeah. So certainly you have one of the things that's functioning is that you can have a red system. That's actually a dictator or um, kind of tyrant directed. And if their orientation is, well, we have to protect this thing, which props me up 
you can say, these are the rules, we're all gonna do them and everybody has to follow, which actually isn't allowed in a lot of other systems in the world. Um, the other thing is that if you have people that uh, still have trust in blue structures and systems, they're more likely to listen to those systems and structures and follow them. Where if you have enough people, um, so, and what we wanna talk about next week um, which is we're going to go into this, what is healthy and unhealthy look like in each of these different stages? Because there's not good stages and bad stages, they just are, but there are unhealthy or healthy kind of manifestations of each stage. A healthy orientation in orange is let's look at the data, let's test it, let's see how it all functions, and let's come to some common conclusions that can are repeatable, testable, and measurable. Unhealthy orange is, well, I found a doctor who said this, which means I get to go do this thing which I wanna do. Um, so it's not about collecting all of the, the data. It's ultimately tied into red energy. I wanna do what I wanna do. I'm personally autonomous, which the United States of America has a bunch of red energy. You don't have a nation that's kind of leading the world in warfare that doesn't have deep seated red roots. Um, and because of that, you can use the language of orange to justify kind of red behavior. And the United States is an interesting melting pot of lots of these different things, which can lead people to very different um, ways of, of acting in the world. Um, I don't know how helpful that was in explaining it, but trying to get at why is it the United States of America, um, where we have people in all these, why is it worse here? It's one possible explanation within spiral dynamics. Yeah, so being that maybe other countries are farther along or have moved in a different direction during this crisis, I would say, is something that's, I think, humbling to point out, if that makes sense. And the, you can, again, there's healthy and unhealthy in each of them. So a healthy blue would very much do this because you're looking for how do we protect everybody? That should be one of the kind of core documents of our society, because again, it's communal. Healthy orange says we have to trust the scientists. Healthy green says, how do we protect the most vulnerable? Healthy red is how do we flex the power so that everyone is protected and we're taken care of. Um, when we get to purple, it's harder because that's ultimately a stage of wonder. It's about community. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, track as well in a global pandemic. Um, I never use my example that, I, that I, I hope is helpful talking about advertising. So in advertising, uh, think of how you sell a car. And let's kind of go through all the stages. So if you want to sell a car to someone in beige, um, you can't because they're in survival. So any sales and advertising wouldn't work on someone in beige because just what is the most immediate, um, what's affordable, what can I live in, what helps my survival? And usually a car isn't going to do that. Purple advertising is about community and wonder. So if you think a couple years back to those Matthew McConaughey commercials, where he was driving a car. They didn't really show much of the car, but he was like rolling his fingers and kind of waxing philosophically. What he was trying to do, they were trying to sell you a car by getting you into the wonder and the connection of like the driving experience, right? And Matthew McConaughey's hair. Oh, it was interesting hair choice in that commercial. Lovely. Um, Red, if someone's in red, that's easy. Red sports car going really fast. You have a lot of these car commercials where they're just like doing donuts and they're like, buy our car. It's about horsepower. It's about um, sex appeal is obviously used a lot in red and red energy to sell a car. 
Blue is, um, if you think a couple years back, there was a Super Bowl commercial that was all about Detroit and how Detroit is where automobiles came from. And it was talking about the rising up. I think it was Oldsmobile was like coming back. Like we're going to have this car. Uh, Chevy runs deep is like a whole thing. That is using tradition and history. If it was good enough for your dad, it's good enough for your granddad, it's good enough for you. And yes, it's largely sexist if you're going to go traditionally. Sexist <laughs> super. Yeah. Um, orange is going to be all about here is um, the price point. Here is the resale value. Here is the fuel mileage. Here's all the kind of testable, measurable things that allow us to know this is a superior car to purchase. And green is how does this impact the planet? So the Prius was really leading in the way that its sales of the car is that this is better for the environment. This helps all people. And it's very much kind of the collective orientation towards- Like our world. electric cars out there, right? Yeah. Electric. Yeah. Because a lot of the sales pitch of the electric, it can go orange. This is just most the most uh, fuel efficient. This is the, the best, you know, kind of the, the best our scientific minds can come up with or how they sell it can be, this is the best for the environment and the planet. Think of like when you drive a Prius, when you are using gas and the electric batteries operating, it's a little green leaf. There's actually some where it was like a tree and it would start getting leaves on it. That's literally, this. that's the sales part of it, how they're trying to appeal to different people. So you can kind of see how these languages all work. It, if you have any more questions, you want to talk more about this. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I would love literally, to talk to you more about Literally it. one of Kurt's favorite things to talk about. Because going back to what I talked about at the beginning, how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we live at peace with all as much as is possible, much as up to us with everyone? Um, understanding this framework can let me know, oh, when I'm having this conversation with a friend, with a family member, an acquaintance, a sibling, if they're coming from this structure and system or this worldview, and I'm coming from this worldview, we can miss each other the whole time. And if I don't understand that there's a different operating procedure, we can just keep on missing each other. So how do I become more aware? I don't assume I immediately know, because again, people can use language or present in certain ways that they aren't actually, and I'm using this to communicate to other people. So how do I use um, blue language? I agree so much with the heart of the constitution. And yet I feel that um, all people being created equal, we've actually never fulfilled that. So how do we fulfill that promise that is in the framing of our, our nation? Um, you, you, we, we find different ways to try and build bridges and communicate and to help people. Now, the one thing I'm gonna say just as we'll talk more about this next week Cascades um, hope is to be a yellow church. And we talk a lot of churches function in kind of blue. This is the sacred document. This is this. Yellow believes that actually all it is uh, the maxim of spiral dynamics is how do you expand and include. So we don't want to do the thing where when you move through different layers, you look back with disdain. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to think that. How stupid was that? How aggressive was that? But then you look ahead and you're like, ah, oh, that's scary. Yellow says everything belongs. Everything's kind of included in the wholeness of being human. Let's invite people. They don't have to, we don't all have to be green to belong to this community. We don't have to be blue to belong to this community. We can be in all these different places and belong, but we are going to call each other to health. We are going to call each other to wholeness. 
what's the healthiest way to be in these different places, which allows a framework to say, you're free to move, you're free to explore, you're free to check out these different kind of V memes or the way of orienting around yourself in the world. And it's fluid to move through them because there isn't better or worse. There's just healthy and unhealthy in each of them. And that's what I think is kind of a, a game changer in why, what do we want at Cascade? How are we understanding the story of Jesus? How are we telling the story of Jesus? And what are we calling the community to as we interact with one another? Um, and I hope Spiral Dynamics is one way of getting there. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, anything, we can always go through it. It's a lot. It, I love it too much. It's probably like best over coffee. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> uh, you did have a request if we could post the slideshow or some of the slides perhaps in on Cascade's Facebook this week as people could review it and kind of go through it. We know this is a lot of information and I'd say just one thing as I've listened and attempted to read about this over the years as Kurt's been very excited about it for quite some time at this point. Um, it's just that just like the Enneagram that the goal is not to like have a conversation with someone and be like, oh, you're totally a two like or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, the goal is that we're like openly having experiences and what Kurt talks about, I think where this is really beautiful is when we can use it of just, how can I have more connection? How can I have more empathy? How can I do this conversation better and see your point of view and find my words to connect and not divide? Because I do think mm -hmm. that where this gets so abusive or toxic is when we're like, aren't we so intelligent here? We have this information, you know, which Kurt hit on, but yeah. I do think that's like a really key thing about spiral dynamics of yeah. how we have this conversation and what we're going to, why we want to access this conversation. Another yeah. tool, another tool into the tool belt or whatever your organization. Um, and Harriet uh, Congdon just suggested we post a liturgist podcast. The liturgist podcast synthesizes this data in one of the best ways you can hear and experience. We can absolutely, absolutely link that. Also, I've had a conversation with Mike McCarg, uh, Science Mike, um, and he's agreed in two weeks uh, to do a live Facebook chat where we can talk through this. He um, understands it really well and he can articulate it really, really well. Um, so we're going to continue kind of using this language again, because I think it helps us in our current moment in a pandemic separated going into an election season. It's our framework, our tool that can lead to greater levels of empathy and love and connection to people around us. Hopefully it's fun.